Podcasts are popular. Universal wants the Steve Jobs biopic and Stephen Fry's in Danger Mouse. All of this and so much more. It's the... Oh, yes, and the uh, Star Wars trailer. It's the airwaves. From the internet and no further. It's the Airwaves, the podcast that does its best at is all we can ask. Joining me this week, fresh from producing the show just over a week ago, Mr. Carl Madden. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, doing fine, doing fine, doing fine. Oh dear. Is that an echo? I don't know. Echo. Echo. I think your needle's stuck. No, I'm the only one here. You are. Here. You are. Here. Yeah, I was so gonna fast, fast, fast. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna try try and leave it a bit so as to um, <laughs> so as to not draw attention to the fact that that oh. I only managed to pick you up. <laughs> see, I will. I, see, I never read memos. That's the problem. Do you not? Oh dear. Oh dear. So last week you produced the show, but before that, well, just after that happened, uh, there was this thing called Black Friday. Followed closely by Cyber Monday, otherwise known as Monday. <laughs> Did you avail yourself of any of the deals? <laughs> no, I never do. I'm, I'm a useless shopper. I never, I never know if deals are on or anything like that. But the thing, the most disturbing part of Black Friday, oh yeah, is it came to Britain. What the hell? Yeah. Why does it come here? We haven't got Thanksgiving. It means nothing to us. Why on earth we got? Why do we not get the day off with all the turkey and all the over excessive eating and drinking and nonsense and stuff like that? Why don't we get that? But we get the manic idiots in the shop scrambling to get some widescreen TV and punching each other in the face to do so. Oh, That's insane. Yeah. Well, we do get the turkey day. It's called Christmas Day. Yeah, but they get that as well. So it's I not suppose there. they do actually. They're only well, exporting the nonsense to us. <laughs> <laughs> The, the profligacy. We, we're only <laughs> importing, I should say, not them. In the office at work, we were um, a couple of us were watching the Amazon rolling lightning deals. They had things, stupid things like I don't know, a, a pair of socks were going for I don't know twenty p instead of three pound twenty or something. Wow. And who's um, sitting there? Who's sitting there? Honestly, going wow, twenty p, twenty p for socks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, there were a couple of other things. Like the, there was an SSD uh, that went for about 120 quid that was supposed to be 180, but the transfer speeds on it were rubbish. <laughs> so it's false. Don't look economy. at the spec; just look at the price. It yeah. is false economy. It is. It is because all the new TVs will come out <clears throat> soon. Are in the January sale, and there's absolutely no reason, absolutely no, no. reason to partake. Listen, right, I don't want to be—I don't want to be totally callous about it because I do understand that we live in this world currently at the moment. Things are not good, no matter how much government tells us things are doing great and everyone's rich and beyond their world. They're not. They're out of work. People are out of work. People are scrimping to get by. And so, if you can get that special thing to, you know, hopefully make your Christmas a little bit merrier, then all oh, good luck to you. But it just seems to be greed that's going through 
these people's minds that I see on telly. It's a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving, a lot of me, me, all those things from the 80s that I totally hate. Mm. Well, speaking of greed and pushing and shoving and me, 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 podcasts rise in popularity, funded <laughs> by advertisers and listeners. This is the first story of The Stream. Every week, a million and a half people are listening to a murder investigation unfold. The show is serial from the creators of This American Life, but it's not a radio program. It's a podcast. It's, and its wild success is evidence that more and more Americans are consuming audio this way. John Kalish reports on podcasting's breakthrough. Uh, the hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, oh, plenty dear. of them are hosted by mainstream media personalities like Bill Maher, Snooki, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But most podcasts are created by hobbyists and amateurs that story from npr.org this is the second this is the second thing i i I found i mean the the first story that i wanted to put here but i couldn't find it was actually a video by the verge um where one of their reporters went to uh one of these kind of i want to say artificial podcast networks you get you get podcast networks like twit and frog pants that kind of grow up out of one show you know twit twit grew out of this week in tech um uh, frog pants grew out of um extra life radio and the instance both very very popular shows mm-hmm. um but people seem to be uh think thinking that, that right what i need to do i need to create a network I need to do this now i need to create a network and i'm going to pull in other podcasters or i'm going to create i'm going to create this show this show and this show it it just seems like uh, it seems a bit artificial to me well, it's totally artificial. See, the problem is, um, there was a time. Firstly, it's quite disingenuous for this this sudden surge in popularity that the mainstream press is giving podcasts. Like, oh, it's back! It never went away. It never it's went, always no. been here. Podcasts are one of the most popular things in iTunes. It just they just don't make any money from iTunes. They make it for other means. If Actually, I'm going to change that. A lot of people don't make any money from podcasts. So don't think you're going to start a podcast and become a multimillionaire overnight because you're not, unfortunately. No <laughs> right? one has become a multimillionaire overnight. Not even Leo Laporte has become a multimillionaire overnight. It takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication and a lot of skill and a lot of luck as well. But um, yeah, so what you're, what you're saying is you're right. There's a lot of uh, networks who start up and they advertise for you to come and join them. Um, because people who want to do a, a podcast, for example, they look into it and it looks a bit tricky to do a show. It looks tricky. Unfortunately, I mean, well, not unfortunately, it's not that hard to actually find a way to pull a show out there for literally peanuts. It's, it's okay. You have to have a bit of tech savvy. You have to know what microphones to buy. I mean, you don't have to start off like that. You can start off with a USB headset for gold. So all you need is a topic of something you're passionate about and wish to discuss and wish to share. And then hopefully that enthusiasm will come through to your listeners. And then it's just a case of finding an audience. I think it's probably that a lot of the podcasts that people see um, are podcasts like the BBC podcasts and the NPR podcasts. These are basically reheated radio shows, aren't they? Do you not think? Which I... Yeah, which is why I don't class them as proper podcasts because no. they're like from something else that have then been transported. What do you mean, no? Hmm? What do you mean I by s- no? You said, you said no. I said, no, you, no, they're not real podcasts. 
Oh, sorry. I, I yeah. thought you disagreeing. No, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, no, 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 no. No, yeah. So, like, they're they're made for a broadcast medium, and then they're repackaged to go out as a podcast. That's not a proper podcast. A proper podcast, in my opinion, my humble opinion, um, as having to produce one, is you get a collection of people together. There's no set script. There's the, this is it. There's nothing else after this show. This show is going out onto the internet, going out into people's podcatcher apps and and being listened to there's no ulterior motive there's no second market there's no none of that this is just people who are enthusiastic about what they want to talk about and and wish to share that with hopefully a like-minded listening audience well i think that's the mentality of of um of all these all these podcast producers who just who just want to like like i and you know and, and tone and alex do every week we just sit down for an hour or two and just follow a loosely put together list of stories that we've all found over the week and we um hmm. we we pontificate on the uh Wait, that's what most podcasts are i mean there's a few few different ones like the serial one the one that's caused all this interest is it's to me it's a radio play if you know if it was put on the radio it'd be a radio play but it's not it's put out in a podcast so it's put out in the podcast medium so that's a podcast. It's not though. It's not. Mm. Have you ever heard it? No, no. Yeah, I'm not. I, I have very little interest in listening to the professional, so to speak. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, I'm not saying that everyone else isn't a professional because a lot of shows I listen to online are far superior to anything you can get through public radio or commercial radio or anything like that. Um, there's some shows and, and long shows as well. Some that go on for three hours, and they're just and they're just far more entertaining. And they go because they're not they've not got to worry about advertisers or they've not got to worry about codes. They can go to much more interesting places and say some much more interesting things. I just you know, um, and again, the other thing is media personalities. That kind of winds me up as well <laughs> because um, if they do it, if they do it legitimately, I've got no problem with that. If they do it like this, they set up their own thing. <clears throat> go to talk, you know, express their views and opinions. Great. It's when they're backed up by some big multimedia corporation that mm. <laughs> I have a bit of a problem with because they're invading our territory. And I've only been doing this for like, I've been doing it on my own for a couple of years, you know, and I've been involved in various other ways a while longer. But, um, you know, uh, I, I just find it a bit conflicting. That's all. Um, it's good that a lot of spotlight has been put on podcasting at the moment, but um, the media, the mainstream media, is a funny old thing, and I know it's going to shift its light to something else pretty soon. It, well, well, you know it will. It's, yeah, and then it'll come back in a few years' time, and it'll go, "Oh, look, resurgence of podcasting." Everyone again, will. We've s- decided to look at it. Everyone will suddenly remember remember what a podcast is again. You and I will still be here. We'll end up doing a show together and we'll end up having this exact same conversation. So in the future, I'm just going to remember that this was show number 33, first story, and I'll paste it in. If you're listening to the repeat, then that's that's how things were back in 2014, close to the end of 2014. Anyway, Also getting back to what this story is talking about, about how these uh, podcasts get funded and they're saying advertise and listeners. Um, again, it's kind of hard because a lot of sites, firstly, a lot of advertisers, they want to know numbers. There's no real still recognized way of telling exactly how many people listen to your show. They can tell you how many times you've been downloaded, 
to a certain extent. Oh, well, as not. in listened all the way through to the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you There's can no... count downloads, you can't count listens, no. Exactly. So this is possibly why a lot of older shows, even the ones that haven't been produced or reproduced or, or you know, redone, are still so high up there in some of these, these charts because they, you know, they're constantly being downloaded and seen and, oh, I don't know. It's, it's a weird... It's a weird metric, and advertisers are a bit shifty about that. They like to see paid for clicks and things like that, and like they like you to give hard information. The other way is more interesting. Listeners <clears throat> um, giving you money. Um, we've had the recent rise of things like Patreon and a few other places. Like a lot of people have used um, PayPal in the past as well yeah, to get yeah. funds, but. Um, I don't know. I think I'm not a big fan of Patreon either. I've got to say because they take <laughs> such a massive percentage of they income do. from what they do. <laughs> they do take a fair wedge. Yeah, it's you. You're right. Oh, I can't. I read it. I read the small print, um, and I think in the small print it says, "Or oh, we take about what was it? About five percent. About five percent of whatever you earn." Yeah, if you paid someone twenty dollars, it works out about five percent. If it's a dollar. It normally works out about 60, 65, 70% of what they're taking. It's ridiculous. You yeah. think, why am I doing that? Or why would people do that? But, yeah. you know, but I must be getting something out of it. Yeah, you get, you get people like Tom Merritt who are making, apparently, something in the region of $13,000 a month out of it. So I think, I, I think different well, things work for diff- different people. I mean, if you look, for, um, if you look at uh, PodTrack, which is the, uh, the, the metrics service that I use, they will go and get, apparently, they will go and get advertising for you. However, you must have at least 20,000 um, listeners a month. And you must be able to have your listeners complete a certain amount of their surveys every month. Mm. And then they will go and, you know, they'll, they'll, <laughs> probably, they'll probably bring you Audible and Squarespace. <laughs> well, you can, you can also try and go out and get them yourself, but... I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to personally on my show, Mac and Fall Show. I don't want to do any of that. I just like to do the show. Um, I'm more interested in reviews from hearing out, from listening for, uh, from hearing for people because it shows like you're making a difference in their lives. If they enjoy your show, you're making an impact on that listener's life. And I, to me, that's much more valuable than what a dollar. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, if it was like 20,000 people making a dollar contribution each, my tune might change a little bit. Yeah, but you, at the moment... <laughs> you wouldn't slam the door in the face, would no, you? No, of course I wouldn't. <laughs> but also, I don't want to take an advertising. I don't, because as soon as you take an advertising, you're compromised. You can never slag off that company. Mm, yeah. And every company does something wrong at some point in time. It's, you know, it's just, just nature. You can't stop that. Um, well, but no, anyway. onwards and upwards, we'll see where it goes... Who knows? <laughs> well, what we do know is that Universal acquires Aaron Sorkin's Steve Jobs biopic, a story from The Verge. Uh, we are moving on to the movies. This is following on from uh, last week's story. You guys talked about um, the the uh, the deal that had basically come loose, hadn't it? This story just refuses to go. I know. Like, I know. Um, it's been kicking around for so long now. Steve Jobs. Okay, we we. Okay, I'm pretty big Apple fan. Boy. Um, boy. Okay, some people <laughs> call me a fanboy, but I, I don't care. Um, but even my interest in, in this film is starting to wane a bit. I, I mean, there was a time when Steve Jobs was like a mythical figure. He'd done something 
amazing. He had taken a company and turned it around and produced success out of ashes, it seemed. Um, a lot of people would disagree with that. Fair enough. They can say, you know, it's up to them. It's a free country. Um, he's, he had a very interesting past. If you read his book, he was not the nicest of people. Um, just the way he treated his daughter, for example, shows that he's not, he wasn't a very nice people. The way he treated people, he wasn't very nice. So he is a fascinating character from a, from a character study point of view. And I can see why movies would be interested in telling that story. Um, you know, I've done it to a lot of other people who don't necessarily need the limelight shone on them, but they got it anyway. But I don't know. We, we seem to go through a phase a couple of years ago where there was loads of biopic, you know, movies coming out and they seem to have dwindled a bit recently. And, um, you know, it's got Danny Boyle attached now. And I was going to say he's directing, Michael isn't Fassbender. he? Well, at the moment, who knows? Tomorrow might be a completely oh, different cool, right, Yeah, it could be. could be. But we had, uh, we had Christian Bale attached as, uh, as a possibility to play uh, Steve Jobs. He ducked out. Um, I think someone else ducked out as well. And there's, I think there's a, a, a short list of actors who are rumoured to be playing Jobs. But... Uh, with all of the, with all these personnel changes, I mean, oh, here we go. Michael Fassbender has been attached to star in the film, apparently. Uh, Seth <laughs> Rogen and Jessica, Jessica Chastain are reportedly likely to join the cast. Do, do we think? Um, do we think the moment has passed? Really? I mean, Jobs passed away what three three years ago? Is it now? The moment has passed. I mean, that's why those other films were rushed out. Um, there was both. Um, there was like the. Uh, Ashton Kutcher one, and that was trying to profit off the guy, the fact that the guy had, had died because it was a little popular. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about, I'm not sure as many people would go and see this movie if it was released tomorrow as they would have two years ago, for example, or one year ago. Five years hence then, five years later. Again, again I years. think as there's that period where the slump will go, I mean, Apple's no longer this like punchy little company that's fighting against the odds. <laughs> no. Apple is now this Goliath that a lot of people dislike for various mm, reasons, be yeah, there because yeah. they're Androids, they're Microsoft people or whoever. So I, I think, I generally think the audience for this is quite small. Um, just because you own an iPhone doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go and see a Steve Jobs movie. The people who are dedicated, definitely going to go and see a Steve Jobs movie are the real indoctrinated fanboys like the Mac heads and, and people like that. I'm not even sure I would go and see it, for example. Um, I'd wait for it to come out on Blu-ray. Exactly. Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's the kind of, it's not the kind of film I would go and see at the cinema. No. It's but, a bit um, like, um, I mean, The Imitation Game. I'm not going to go and see that, that at the cinema. <laughs> well, not for my, but that's only because, I've, as I've said a million times on this show, <laughs> my cinema experience is rubbish. So that's yeah. why they've basically <laughs> got rid of me out of that cinema because, um, you know, because it's just awful the way they treat the public, I think. But, mm. um, you need to get away from the metropolis. Take a weekend. Go and see a few films in Swindon. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's a long way to go, isn't it? On commute. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure there are. Lovely, I'm sure, like, if any listeners listening in London, I'm sure they could tell me, like, hundreds of fantastic cinemas in London. It's just my local one is rubbish. Right. That's all. And it's a big cine. Is it cine world? Big cine world one. It's 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 a shame. But the really the bit that annoys me, as I've said time and time again, is the damn security guard in his 
His high visibility vest comes in mid movie twice, walks up and down both aisles to make sure you're not filming. I mean, think, what's that about? Seriously? Uh, maybe that oh, cinema's just, been burned a couple of times. Well, so, yeah, but I mean, it's not. I've, oh, I, I don't know what to say. But I, I thought they were supposed I'd... to be perfecting all of these technologies. Like, you know, they have a, they have a I don't know, a special weird Flashy LED thing. that's strobing yeah. at the top of the top of the screen, which is no, supposed a guy, to... A guy in a vest is a lot cheaper. Oh, I guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it is. But, oh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't understand why they don't just digitally remaster Pirates of Silicon Valley and put that out. It'd be a lot more fun. <laughs> well, because it's not very accurate. <laughs> that's the first I don't problem care. <laughs> It's um, it's a made-for-TV movie, and it's not very accurate, but it's entertaining. I'll give you that. I good, can, it's I a guess. good character portrayals in it. I the guy that plays Steve Jobs in that is is fantastic. Who Noah Wiley? Guy from ER, isn't he? He could do he could do it now. Noah Wiley could. Uh, he would be fine, absolutely fine. Maybe he looks like a bit say, looks a bit young. I but. don't I don't think it's the actor that's the issue. I think it's the content of the <laughs> of the script from the movie that's the issue. Time has passed. I think. Until about I don't know 2020. Even then, I don't. I, I seriously. That's think only five years away. Mm, God, that's quite a realization, oh, isn't it? Thanks, dear. Look at up, right, Bobby. Well, let's get. Let's get in the fifties. <laughs> I won't. I'm still be in my thirties. I, I need a moment now. I've just oh. realised I'll be. Oh. Right, well, listen to this. Then this is this is happy. Uh, this is the box. Stephen Fry joins Danger Mouse voice cast. We were wondering who was going to be cast in this part. This story from the BBC. Stephen Fry will be part of the cast of Danger Mouse when the cartoon favourite returns to TV next year. The broadcaster and actor will voice the role of veteran spy Colonel K, a character voiced by the Archers actor Edward Kelsey in the 1980s original. Uh, Alexander Armstrong will, of course, voice Danger Mouse himself in the CBBC series. Uh, Fellow pointless regular Richard Osman will also have a role in the show as a jellyfish scientist called Professor Strontium Jellyfishowitz. How on earth did I say that? What? Um, <laughs> the TV quizmaster said he could not be more delighted to be involved, describing himself as a lifelong fan of the program. Every single time they announce something about this, I, I, I'm feeling better about it. Because I remember when they when they actually announced that that uh, Danger Mouse was going to be remade, it was going to be modernised in a, in a new and interesting fashion. I was thinking, oh dear, how on earth are they going to screw this up this time? And then we heard that Alexander Armstrong was going to was going to be playing uh, Danger Mouse, and then we heard who was going to be playing Penfold, and now Stephen Fry as Colonel K. I think that I think that is a, a perfect. Uh, do you know what i find most disturbing about this show uh, this story what is is this show quiz thing called pointless a real tv show then (laughs) because i was watching (laughs) not going out the other weekend yeah the other week and they went on a show called pointless and i just noticed it had these two characters in it Right, and I'm thinking this just a crappy made-up quiz show. Obviously, taking the Mickey out of quiz shows. I had no idea it was a real thing that they were taking the Mickey out. Yeah, that is kind of disturbing. I think, I think pointless is a real show anyway. But um, I, uh, yeah, this this is this has cheered me up somewhat. I I I will I will be watching this. Thing is, when I think back to how I can vaguely recall 
um, uh, Colonel Colonel K speaking, mm. it it is Stephen Fry. It is Stephen Fry. <laughs> it's, it's one of his voices. He will basically. I, 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 I he probably won't, but I think the easy thing for him to do would be to just do General Melchit. Melchit. That was the yeah. name I was just trying to remember. It's basically Melchit. It is. Yeah, but not as like cruel. Scramble, scramble, scramble. It was boiled. Um, Are you really excited about Danger Mouse coming back? Yes. Because I'd, I'd watched a, I watched a little bit of it on YouTube, and I thought, oh, my God, this is an age well. Um, this is not age well. I used to rush home every lunchtime to watch it on telly, <laughs> and I'd videoed it from the night. I think it was in the evening. Something, and I video, and I remember me and my mate, we used to run. This was when I was in the like, late school, early school, secondary school. I can't remember exactly. But um, because it was on like five-minute chunks, I believe, and they each built up over the week to make an episode, a, a full-length episode. Um, and I, me- I remember video VHS, you know, tape every night and just add the next episode on. And then and every, <laughs> every following day, we'd rush home from school for our lunch break because I just lived down the road. And we'd watch first five minutes and then the first 10 minutes and then the first fifth until we built up the entire episode, the first thing we'd watch the following Monday. How weird. <laughs> <laughs> how weird that's the only thing i remember about danger mouse really there are uh, some uh I, I mean i've got i bought the box set alex and i both bought copies of the box set with the rather inaccurate um cover on the it. modern skyline with the modern skyline it has the gherkin the cheese grater and the you know the millennium dome or whatever it is um and uh some of those episodes are actually quite bad but there are there are there are some there are some gems in the in the pile. No nostalgia's great. I mean, when we get to my picks, what I've been watching this week, I've got I've got two nostalgia ones in there. Um, it's just I, I I find I find my childhood nostalgia not as strong as um, some of the more adult things I watch. And when I say adult, I don't mean that sort of adult content. But I don't know. I, I find it harder to relive my my childhood days but people just call me <laughs> sort of <laughs> unfeeling and things like that unfeeling yeah. unfeeling what just because you don't because like i can't get in touch with can't get in touch with my childhood can't get in touch with your youth yeah my, my youth yeah yeah i don't know this this is this is one remake i'm actually looking forward to no i mean if they, i'm sure they'll do it up with flashier graphics now I'm uh, sure they uh, animation i'm sure it will be computerized i hope they don't make it too computerized so it loses all its soul Hmm. Um, but sometimes when I have to go, when I go, when I have to, <laughs> I mean, when I go around Barry's, like to go there for a weekend of drinking, for hmm. example, um, <laughs> I, I, have to, I, I see what like the kids are watching now, what his kid watches now, and I sit there and I think, oh my god, why on earth is this exist? I mean, it couldn't be cheaper, it couldn't be cheesier, it couldn't be more simplistic, and I thought this explains so much of why kids are like they are today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, the I think the. Um um, there's a line that I think I've probably brought this up before, but there's a line in Wind in the Willows that clearly illustrates the difference between children's television when I was at school and children's television now, where where um, Toad is talking to Badger, and uh, basically Toad has just bought this uh, this buffalo paint tinning machine or can- canning machine everyone calls it a tinning machine but he thinks it's a canning machine i think it's american or something like that yeah. but um but uh badger says you amaze me toad with your with your foolhardy profligacy 
I was thinking, right. I was thinking, right. I'm gonna. This is a few years ago. I, was, I don't know. I was early twenties. I was thinking. I've seen this so many times. I'm gonna have to look up and see what that word means. <laughs> but that's the kind. Of, that's what I'm saying. They didn't. Oh, I didn't kind of talk down to. I didn't reduce everything to the lowest uh, denominator. It was like common denominator. It was. It was like um, if I think about some of the stories, uh, the moral tales that they tell back in the days of our children's television. And you probably go back to the generation above us, and they'll say, well, your, your stuff, they didn't show you any morals. Our one yeah. was like laden with morals and stuff <laughs> and proper yeah. manners and stuff like that. So, you know, perhaps it is just an, an age thing, and each of us see the moral decline of the mm. children's viewing. Um, <laughs> Someone please continues. think of the children. <laughs> and I really hate to think then what our children, when they grow up, are going to think of children TV then for yeah. example i mean it's kind of scary yeah yeah no the the amount of life lessons that i learned from the clangers is in- incredible yeah well we had the wombles don't drop litter no quite i mean i could i could i watch kids coming out of school today and some of them need to learn that lesson <laughs> Very much we had so. the green cross code man telling us not to cross look left and right and cross the road hmm. again we need to teach kids this lesson because they seem to think they can run out in front of a car and the car can stop on a dime. It's, I it's, think, um, I think, isn't didn't didn't somebody didn't somebody say that uh, Sarah Jane's adventure was adventures was was partly to blame because of that because lots of people run out into the middle of the road into that. Oh, gold! I don't well, know. They did. Mm. Well, that's why they nearly had one of the one of the members of the cast run over in uh, in the final David Tennant episode. They nearly had one run over. Oh. Make a point. No, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's quite concerning children's TV today. And of course, a lot of it isn't British TV. Let's, let's face facts. They buy it in from other countries and they dub it with English or American accents. And it's just, it's just stuff to put out there because the viewing figures aren't there. You, you stick it on a channel, it might get a few thousand views. And it's just fodder. It's just fodder until the, you know, the sell-through video, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever comes out. And that's, that's all it is now. Oh, dear. Well, how depressing. <laughs> well, here's something to <clears throat> kick you off the edge of the mountain. We're going to put this in the franchise. Watch the first trailer for Star Wars The Force Awakens. The story from The Verge. It's finally here. A first look at the new Star Wars. The teaser trailer runs 88 seconds long and is available to watch online and in theatres starting today. Here's all you need to know. It looks really, really good. <clears throat> the state, <laughs> the state of ju- journalism today is of, awesome. Oh, no, that's brilliant, isn't it? The trailer gives a first glimpse. I mean, Dickens is probably somewhere going. Why didn't I write no, like no. my stories oh, like that? Yeah. It's it's, uh, oh, it's. He looked really, really poor. It's news for the masses. <laughs> it gives a glimpse a lot of the new and returning stars, but it also gives a first glimpse of a lot of. The, but it also just but it also shows just how great a director J.J. Abrams appears to have done. It also shows how say say what you see, Russ. Say what we see. But, but it also sh- oh, why do I do this? But it also shows just how great a job Jared directors. <laughs> 
But it also shows just how great a job director J.J. Abrams appears to have done in putting back together the Star Wars universe. A great score from John Williams elevates that even further. This isn't much for now, but it ought to get fans' hopes way up. Well done. That's the way you do it. Right. Put my phone down now. Um, (laughs) So, well, there are a couple of videos put up online. Um... One of the oh, ones that I saw. This is before the trailer was the trailer was released. Um, one of the there are loads and loads of fakes, absolutely piles on them. One of the best ones that I saw was um, uh, it was basically the 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 moment where Yoda dies in Return of the Jedi. Spoiler alert, um, and where he just lies down and put closes his eyes or something like that. And uh, basically, they ran that in reverse <laughs> and played the uh, the alarm <laughs> clock. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah. And so some people used um, you know, shots from Ender's game and, and things like that. It's all it's all very interesting. But then we got the real thing. And unfortunately, my first reaction <laughs> because what I mean, unfortunately, the, why is that word in there? My first reaction, because Mr. Abrams has uh has has, has successfully um made two uh, Star Trek look-alike films. Um, it looks a bit Star Trekky. What? 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 <laughs> How? What, what have you, are you watching lo- the same thing I've just watched? It just looked a bit. It just looked a bit Star Trekky to me. When did um, it come out? It came out on Friday, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I remember. I remember totally forgetting about the fact it was going to be released on Friday, hmm. and I remember coming home and I stuck on the Apple TV. And um, and I just I was just messing around with something, and then I picked up my pad and I saw Star Wars trailer, and it jogged my memory. And I think, right, quick, go to the trailers app on on Apple TV, and it had taken up the entire row of like boxes along the top. But I've never seen Apple do that before. It was like just Star Wars in the middle, and then two each either side, two like just black boxes with the yellow line going through. So I picked up my Apple remote and I selected one and pressed the button and waited and you know you, you hear that boom, and then like there's Tatooine 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 um, yeah and then I've forgotten the actor's name so sorry John Boy Boyata I think his name is something like that yeah yeah see he pops up uh, like panting and looking nervous as a stormtrooper mm. and I thought oh that looks good because it's the first new Star Wars footage I'd seen since you know Attack of the Clones uh Attack of, no, uh, Return of the Sith, sorry, which I wasn't you know, that enamored by. Uh, and then it goes to blank again. And then it shows a, a, a trundling droid going to pass some what looks like speed, speed of pod, pod bike things in the background. And then it's the girl on the hover bike thing and stuff. And I'm thinking, well, it certainly looks like a lived-in universe, which is one of the main complaints a lot of people had about the prequels. The prequels, it, yeah. yeah. All look shiny and new and... Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, it goes to that the creepy guy going through the woods and he, he unsheaths his lightsaber. Well, you think it's a lightsaber. It looks like a lightsaber. But, and the red beam comes out and then yeah. two other beams come out it's, making a hilt. It's got think, auxiliary Ooh. beams. <laughs> right, and I'm looking at all this and I'm just thinking, okay, it looks, it looks good. I'm interested. I'm engaged. And then the screen goes blank again. And then that gravelly voice says, and the light. And then, bang, the Star Wars music fanfare just kicks in and then the Millennium Falcon is flying away from you in the sky, in atmosphere, it looks like above Tatooine, does some mad loop, 
flies off and then two TIE fighters zip past it attacking it. And I just went all oh, jibber. <laughs> I seriously had shivers down my spine. I was so... Just that stupid one scene that lasts about four seconds. Mm. I just thought, oh, I cannot wait to see this because it looked to me within the space of those 88 seconds, there was more heart, more soul, more dynamicism, dynamis, whatever dynamicism, the word is, yeah. in that eight, 88 seconds than the entire three prequel movies. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. I was, I'm, I'm looking, I am, I am looking forward to seeing it. Um, the, uh, the whole Millennium Falcon flying around thing was quite, uh, was, was quite impressive. And obviously they can put a lot more detail into the, <laughs> into the ship in the, uh, oh, yeah. in the newly CGI'd, um, universe. Um, but, uh, but not too much. That's one of the fake trailers that came out, spoof trailers that came out after it saying, showing the George Lucas edition of the trailer. Yeah. In fact, that was what <laughs> I was going to come on to. The, the George Lucas version, instead of just two TIE fighters coming out after the Millennium Falcon, and an entire fleet <laughs> just flying towards it. But it is true. It, it, it does, that stupid little spoof does sum up it does, yeah. everything he did wrong. Mm. With with the the um, the prequels and and the special editions, people. Okay, I'll, I'll give it. I liked he cleaned up the images. Great. I liked he cleaned up the sound. I liked he redone the the lightsabers so they didn't look like white sticks anymore. They actually had the blue and the red glows on them. But don't add a ton of weird plasticky scene looking monsters and a jabber that Han Solo has to step over in obvious CGI fashion. It's mm. it's horrible. It's horrible and. It was one of those things where, you all, and we said it before on this show, it just looked like he kept, he couldn't leave it alone. It's like an artist says when they paint something, they want to go back and paint it again. They want to go back, you know, and it's a good job they sell they pay, by paintings because they can't go back and paint them anymore. You always fiddle. You always want to entertain. You always like, it's when you write, for example. I don't do much writing now, but, you know, you always want to go back and change it. You want to once you've published it, you think, "Oh God, that's wrong! I spelled that wrong. I used the wrong phrase." You want to go back and change it. You always want to go back and change it. He was unfortunately in a position where no one would say, "No, George, you're not going back and changing it." Instead, they kept going. Fox kept going. Oh yeah, okay, we'll make some more money. <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I I want to reserve judgment until we see the first proper trailer which of course we're not going to see until halfway through right. next year or something like that um but uh, all, all the elements seem to be there i thought it was very um interesting the way <laughs> interesting in quotes <laughs> the fact that he only showed the new stars like he only showed the new the new guy in the stall trooper the, the new girl on the speeder bike the new guy in the x-wing thing not one mention of the old cast of the old droids or of the old things it was just it was their universe you could see it was their universe mm. but they were nowhere to be, and it, it it creates it builds more excitement, and so now mm. we'll be asking, well, when's the proper trailer one coming? Mm. I have no idea. Mm. But um, people in the states, for example, there were there were special showings in cinemas yeah. where they just show this trailer again and again and again, oh, and you could sit there for seventeen heavens. times watching it. I think there's there is a lot of excitement about this now because oh, definitely, as, as you say, right. A lot of people are very split, 50-50, on if he did a good job on Star Trek or not. I think he did, but I can understand your opinions why he didn't. A lot of Star Trek fans don't think. Exactly. But I general that. filmgoers think they're really good films. Yeah, they made a lot of money. I mean, that's they one did, of the things, yeah. unfortunately, how a film is judged on. Indeed. But you're right, they weren't Star Trek. They were 
but action films set in space mm. or on Earth. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, but they were entertaining and lots of lens, fla lens flares. I didn't notice any lens flares. No, there are lens the flares. <laughs> there are lens flares in the trailer. I was looking for them. Where? There are lens flares. When the, uh, when the Millennium Falcon's flying around. Oh, but okay, I'll give you that one because he flies in front of the sun. I'll give mm. you that one. There is one of his trademark lens flares. <laughs> something tells me that was put oh, in as a not joke to the or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Of course, there was a lot of lots of debate as well about who did the voiceover. Indeed, in well, that was that was announced, was it? Because I mean, when I first heard it, I thought that's Benedict Cumberbatch, and that I is know. what put that is what put me in mind of the. Um, uh, of the Star Trek Into Darkness trailer because it's Benedict Cumberbatch doing almost the same voice saying, you think your world is safe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is an oh, illusion. It's, it's not Sherlock. It's, it's not. It's Gollum. Andy, yeah, it's Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to do the light and the dark. Yeah. Mm. Um, the light and, and the dark. I got chills. The press is dark. Yeah. They're multiplying. So, oh, dear. <laughs> so, yes, it was Andy Serkis. Who has got a small but pivotal part, apparently. Who, yeah. uh, I don't know how they know that. That's a very personal interview. It is a very personal thing to say, yeah. Hmm. But, um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm, I'm amazed at how much has been written about an 88-second trailer. I'm amazed that podcasts, <laughs> other than us, have done entire episodes dedicated to an 88-second um, trailer. <laughs> I'm, 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 it's got something like 40-odd million views in three days, the trailer. It's, you know, if they stuck some advertising on that, they made a yeah. pretty penny or two. It, it's um, it's, ama no, it's I, amazing, though, but, but, but how, how popular Star Wars remains. Not surprising, but... Yeah. Well, because we never got... We never got a true sequel to the original. We got something that sort of was resembled. It's like your Star Trek. It sort of resembled Star Trek. All the right bits were there, but they didn't, they didn't gel together. There was no personality. There was no camaraderie. It was just like stilted walking down corridors and sitting having yeah. meetings. That's not Star Wars. <laughs> There's no trade negotiations, for God's sake. Who gives a rat's bum about that? We want blaster fights. We want stormtroopers who can't aim straight. You know, we want zipping through woods. We want... Okay, we don't want Ewoks. No. But we certainly don't want Jar Jar Binks. No, we certainly, certainly don't. But we want rogues. We want, you know, heroes. We want dastardly villains. And we want great space battles. We don't want kids going, oh, so this is pod racing. Mm. No, we certainly don't yeah. want pod racing. No. What we do want, though, is to find out what we have been watching, reading, listening to, or playing this week. We're going to start with me. Uh, I've continued to watch... House on Netflix because it came to it came to Netflix a few weeks ago. This is Hugh Laurie et al. Um, how how far through it are you? I'm up to season six. See, I sort of lost my way when it was originally on telly on really? whatever channel it was on. I can't remember, but it was it just got to a point where oh come on, these are just these plots are just getting ridiculous. And I guess. If a series goes on long enough, they all get ridiculous. We can, they do, yeah, yeah. I think, but they were, but when they're meant to be back, it's okay when they're like science fiction or, or mystery and stuff like that. But when they're meant to be based in, like, like um, real life ish, like doctor stories, you think, well, I always remember the one about um, there was a needle. They couldn't figure out why this person's organs were all failing, 
and it, it started up near the top of her body and went all the way down. And it turns out it was um, a needle working its way through the body. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I think most of these and things... And it was piercing. Aren't... It was piercing the organs as it went. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think most of the things in-house are not beyond the bounds of possibility. But they are so... They're just... They're, they're pretty much impossible. I think, no, but, but it's also it's also the way he solved them all the time. It was like, yeah, nothing. No, we don't know. We don't know. Test, test, test. We don't know. We don't Suddenly know. Test, somebody, test. Yeah, you'll somebody have a conversation with yeah. someone, yeah, and oh, yeah, it's the light it's, bulb it's, moment, yeah, yeah, and then it'll go, and it was the same, and you can do that a few times, yeah. You can't do that every week for what was it nine years or whatever it was, yeah. And it's a shame because it's a fantastically acted show. It is. Well, that's that's one of the main reasons why I watch it because I I enjoy Hugh Laurie being being an ass basically <laughs> being uh well being a, a an apps a complete and utter um you know just being a nasty a nasty piece of work to a certain extent i mean how, he's not a how many american viewers do you think have still not seen hugh laurie as as um is it william is it well as uh, bertie worcester no 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 <laughs> in in black adder i was prince um prince uh the prince regent yeah yeah Quite a few, I would have thought. Well, there's got to be someone still out there who doesn't know. And if you show him the comparison, no, this is the guy. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Take a hot crumpet from behind without blubbing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Lock, 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 lock. <clears throat> what was the chicken impression in Adolf? Um, it's, um, <laughs> I, I, um, when I started watching it years ago, because someone, uh, someone at college was downloading it, off the internet and bringing it into college where we would all watch it. Uh, Dirty pirates. Years ago. Yes, indeed. But it had the, um, it had the massive attack. Uh, I think it was massive attack. Anyway, uh, teardrop uh, as the, as the theme tune. Uh, they're a band from Bristol. And for some reason they can't use it on the European version of the show. They have to use some kind of warmed up um, kind of, it sounds like a composer has been said, okay, uh, can you recreate Teardrop, but don't make it Teardrop, right. please? Yeah. So, the, 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 the I mean, if you look on YouTube for um, House American Intro, it sounds completely different. And it's so much better with the original music on it. It has so much more effect. Um, but, no, it's it's a great series. Um, and, I'm, I'm, I mean, there I've got three series three seasons left i mean on season six it's got eight so two seasons well, yeah yeah two two and a half seasons left uh hmm. and I, i'm just yeah i'm just taking it all in really and it's it is very good it is very good i might go back to it since it's now on netflix was, yeah it's on netflix you've got nothing to lose <laughs> and everything hours and hours and hours now the second and final thing on my list you guys had a, a little discussion about uh, I think Peter brought something up about it last week. Uh, I went to see Interstellar last Friday. Now, every so often, uh, I go and see a film or I, at the cinema or I watch something on Netflix, and I can't get my mind off it for the rest of the week. And this was one of those films. Um, in a good way or a bad way? In a very, very good way. Oh, Okay. It's 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 absolutely superb. It's it's Christopher Nolan, 
um, and it's it's starring Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica, Ch- Jessica Chastain, Bill Irwin, Ellen Burstyn, and uh, Michael Caine. Good, really. I can't. I can't. I know I'm not that good, really. But who cares? <laughs> Um, but you won't get out on an NPR show, NPR, no, BBC, or whatever. no, 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 no. They read it off on auto queue. I'm just holding my phone. <laughs> um, no, I was, I, I didn't know what to think. I hadn't even looked. Um, I hadn't even seen a, a trailer for it, so I didn't really know anything about it. I'd seen a couple of bits of a trailer. I'd seen, you know, some automated, you know, like you get some of these automated flash adverts on IMDb and things like that. They start playing back little bits of a film, but they're muted. I'd seen a couple of things like that. So I didn't really know what to expect, um, but I'd, I'd known that um, you know a lot of people liked it. I thought it was superb. It's uh, right off the bat. I'll say that it is. It's long. It's nearly three hours. Um, but um, yeah, the 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 first thing that struck me about it is the uh, well, one of the one of the biggest things that struck me about it is that it's the score. It's uh, it's Hans Zimmer again um he does uh, he does a lot of uh, christopher nolan's films and um i i i just noticed it because it was so loud uh they use a uh, they use a, a a pipe organ in it and it's it's just um it just sounds huge i haven't heard an organ in a uh, you know like a like a big church or cathedral organ or something like that i haven't heard cool. something like that in a film score in years you know certainly not in a in a in a sci-fi film score, uh, and it just has such a such, such an, an effect on the on the visuals. Um, basically, the story is that um, Earth is no longer able to sustain uh, the human race in one way or another, and we have to leave. So, um, so a bunch of scientists and Matthew McConaughey um, <laughs> have to go have to go and. Uh, Go through a uh, um, go through a, a wormhole and um, and find out some bits and pieces and and have to see where we can go to you know find a new home and hilarity ensues. Well, not really, um, but uh, the, the the other interesting thing about this is that a lot of the um, uh, a, a lot of the science of it is actually grounded in um, real theoretical. Um, science, you know, a lot of the mathematics of it and things. I think it was uh, this guy called Kip Thorne who was um, who was brought in to do a lot of the um, a lot of the, the science and mathematics behind it. Like um, there's the uh, there's this uh, there's a black hole uh, in uh, in the film, and uh, it's it's like it's like no other rendition of a black hole I've ever seen. Because it's actually based on what a what a black hole would actually look like, and it has or to nothing. be no, it has to Surely. be seen to be believed. Oh, okay. I was DMing, I was DMing you last week, and I said you go and watch it. You owe it to yourself to go and watch it. And you said, nah, no, nah, I'll wait till it. I'll wait till it comes out on streaming or whatever. And uh, yeah, it, it, you just you, you've missed out. You really haven't missed out. <laughs> Because everything from the, I mean, the 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 look of it is it. I mean, the the I think um, Christopher Nolan has even said they've borrowed, they've taken a lot from, um, yeah, from Alien, um, in 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 the way that it's it's not none of it's really designed very much. It's just uh, it's just put together in a way that that we think that spaceships in you know thirty or forty years time will be put together, um, 
but uh, but no, the, the look and feel of it is incredible. And the one thing you want to look out for is the robots, the military robots in it. One of them will do something because <laughs> they they look really they look really low rent. I was thinking, oh god, no, that looks rubbish. And one of these robots will do something halfway through the film, and you will suddenly think, ah, that's why they're like they are. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay. no, it's it's Intriguing. it's an incredible film. It, um, I would say, I mean, I'm starting to think it, it just about passes Gravity as my as, as my favourite film wow. of the year. Um, okay. uh, yeah, I think it does. I think it does. I think it does. Okay. Well, so, good, are good, you? Good. you, 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 you hmm. No, go on. You was going to say. Are you interested to see it? Yeah, as soon as it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray, I'll go and see it. All right, all right. I'm not going to my cinema, that's how much. Go to someone else's (laughs) cinema then, you'll have a much better experience. (laughs) I'm lazy, lazy man. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Well, that's it, Interstellar. It's it's absolutely superb. Um, Mr. Madden, what is on your list, sir? Well, I finally seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Yay! And I... I always, I was always intrigued. I didn't really read ever read Guardians of the Galaxy in a comic book. When it was announced, I did go back and read a few. Um, it didn't really grab me, and so I was quite. I'm not really quite sure what I was expecting, especially from James Gunn, the director, because <laughs> he seems to be famous for writing both Scooby Doo movies, the live action ones, uh, and he's directed the only things that I'd, he directed I'd known of was Sliver. Which has got your Classic. your the guy you love in it, <laughs> not not Classic. literally love, but you know what I mean. Um, it's got and um, super. Uh, Nathan Fillion in it, exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, no, I mean, but he um, so he populated Guardians of the Galaxy with people like Chris Pratt from Parks and Recreation, for example, um, who is an enjoyable actor to watch. Uh, Zoe Saldanda, who who Saldana, yes. who's in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. She plays uh, the green alien Gamora, and God, I think she's so sexy as a green. <laughs> she's so sexy anyway, but for some <laughs> some reason, when she's done up as Gamora, I just thought, oh. Mm. Anyway, um, obviously, he's got a wrestler. <laughs> he's got, obviously, I've got a thing for green girls, but there you go. Oh, I don't yeah. know what that's about. Um, no, but Vin Diesel's in there playing like three words throughout the film, which is quite interesting. Oh, yeah. Mm. I am Groot. Mm. Um, and he's got, some, he's got some other bit, like Karen Gillian as well from Doctor Who. And lots of other stars. Quite shocked how many stars are in it, actually. But it's a good. Um, obviously, it's based in the Marvel universe, literally. Um, but it's it's quite an entertaining space, not epic, but space story. It's like some people are comparing it to a modern day Star Wars. I wouldn't quite go that far, but it's a fantastic adventure film. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Has a story that you can easily follow, like good guys, bad guys, or good guy, or slightly corrupt guys who have to become good to save the universe. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the effects are just stunning. The, the, you know, the action is just fantastic. Um, the camaraderie is great. The acting's, you know, great. It's, it, ha- it holds up for the kind of movie it is. And, um, and the ending, <laughs> the two endings are just awesome. Like the two, there's one, well, I can't, I can't say either what they are, but there's one, um, which is just so adorable. And it's just one that just makes you go, what the hell did I just see? <laughs> so, um, which was kind of strange for me. But no, I mean, if you can, I think it's out on, 
out for everyone to see now. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, I highly recommend it if you're into your action movies and your, definitely your Marvel movies. It's fantastic. And the other two that I've got, I, tr- I tried to find these online, but I couldn't, I couldn't find them online, so I had to buy the DVDs, which were going like sub £10. And I just ripped them because I want to watch it where I want to watch it. I don't just, you know, this format shifting is ridiculous. Anyway, so they are, I'm expecting to be lampooned here. Some mothers do have them oh, and the dear. fallen rise of Reginald Perrin. Oh, dear. Now, <laughs> I, can understand, I can understand classics. why you say that because they are very chintzy. I'll give you that. But this is the era I grew up in. I remember as a kid. This is what I was going back to earlier when I was saying about kids TV. I remember watching these and I remember feeling very safe when I watched them because it was always with my family. It was always an event because back then we had, I think it was three channels to choose from, not four. We didn't have four. We didn't have five. We didn't have like 50 million channels to choose from. We had three channels and some of us do have them was kind of um, breakthrough at the time because he did all his own stunts, if I remember. Well, he'd done a vast majority of his own stunts. Things like hanging off Beachy Head Cliff, for example, off, off the back of the car. <laughs> you can sort of see it's him. I don't, you know, I don't know how much staging is underneath him. Or when he bursts out the skating rink at Pickett's Lock, where I used to skate when I was younger. <laughs> Excellent. And he's got some very odd geography as well because he comes skating down the, the ramp at Pickett's Lock and the next moment he's on the bridge at Edmonton Green, which is like three miles away. So I'm not quite sure how that works. But in fact, it's the very bridge, the, the windy bridge that I run up as they were building it as a kid. And they didn't have any railings because that's, you know, health and safety back there. And mm. there was no, it wasn't cordoned off. And I remember running up at it because my, my mum had a go at me. And she had to come up running after me, scared that I was going to fall off the side. And I, got, I remember getting right to the top and I looked across the, the walkway bit. And two workmen just looked up and went, what are you doing up here? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the 70s, folks. No Excellent. health and safety whatsoever. Um, no, so it really does fill me with, um, you know, some nostalgia. And of course... You know, everybody in the day could do a Frank Spencer impersonation. It wasn't mm-hmm. that hard. Ooh, bitty. Mm. You know, um, <laughs> Everyone apart from and, you, obviously. Well, yeah, exactly. And and it's just it's just nice. It's just a nice feel fact. You know, warm feeling show to watch. And yeah, one fall of rise of Bridgel Perrin. I vaguely remember watching that when I was younger. It's a bit more convoluted, and jokes don't hit quite as often as some others do have them. But it's still interesting. You know, to see. Um, Oh, isn't it typical? The name just goes right out of your head. The star Reginald mm. Perrin. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's shouting at the radio now. Saying, the radio, you idiot. <laughs> oh, no. He was in, I had his... It used to be in the Martini adverts, I think it was. <laughs> it's gone. Anyway, but yeah, so he's in it, and mm. um, and it's just fantastic. Leonard Rossiter, thank you so much. That was driving me mad. Thank you for everyone shouting at their streaming device as well there. Um, yes. And again, see, the thing I'm getting from these is the same sort of thing I used to get when I watched um, Life on Mars. It's that nostalgia. This is the era I grew up on. So I can see certain things that are in the set that I remember my folks or my, my nan having in her house. And that also adds to the enjoyment. And I, I never would have considered that possible. I never really think about those things. But, it, it, you know, it kicks off memories in my head and warm feelings in my head. And, and that's why I quite enjoy them. So, 
And like I say, if, if you grew up in the same era as me, check these things out. Unfortunately, you have to buy them on Amazon or somewhere, but, but they're very cheap, um, and it might just kick off some nostalgia in you. And it's, it was nice, safe comedy. It wasn't vulgar. It wasn't rude. Not that I don't like comedy that's not vulgar and rude. I love comedy that's vulgar and rude. Mm. <laughs> but these these just have something special about them for me personally, and I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of other series like like Alex is a great fan of Dad's Army, and um, you know there's, there's some people who like The Good Life, and there's loads of comedies from that period like Porridge and things like that, and it's good just to go back and revisit them sometimes. I think. What did you think of the remake that they did? Of um... absolutely rubbish. Really, it I, was absolutely I... stilted, and I mean, Martin Clunes is. This fantastic actor, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was just writing, and it's a shame because, as far as I can recall, the writing was the same guy that wrote Men Behaving Badly. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Nile, his name was. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I did actually enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I thought it was okay. Probably because I didn't see un- very much of the original Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin, but um, I, I, I enjoyed that as a just as just as a funny a funny thing. Mm. it was good but, but that's, that's probably it though I'm, I'm bringing a lot of baggage I'm bringing my history along as baggage so mm. Mm. I don't know but I, I was quite disappointed and I was really looking forward to it as well I think I watched the first two episodes and I thought oh no this is not for me <laughs> oh dear well there we go thank you sir that that is a show that that's it that's quite sure than your normal ones as well yeah yeah by half actually well we made it over the hour mark how about that post edit it'll probably be more like 50 minutes but uh, and it was just the two of us you can make it anyway <clears throat> yeah um where can we find you <laughs> I'm here. Hello. Look, I'm here right in front of you. What do you mean where you can find me? I'm right here. What, are you blind? Hello. I know, yeah, I know. This is I can me. See, yeah. I'm talking to you. Hello. Oh, where can you find me online? Mm, where can we find you online? Uh, yes, you can get hold of me on Twitter at Clause0101 or on the Mac and Fall show, which normally records on a Wednesday and is posted on a Thursday. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for coming on once again, sir. You were you were presenting last week and you came back as a guest this week. I'm a man of multifacets. You, not talents, just facets. Just facets. You're a man of many facets. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you can find me on Twitter at SF Drummer. That is all we have for this show. If you want to get in touch, drop us a line at airwavesshow at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment at the-airwaves.com or you can leave us a review on iTunes, should you so wish. Uh, we will return next week with a brand have you reviews? Sprawl. Have you got any reviews then? We have had a we have had a couple of reviews now that you mention it. Uh, first up, we've got uh, from Nibs UK. Uh, he says, "Media magnificence." This podcast features a great bunch of British guys discussing all types of media, from books to music, TV, movies, and games. Light-hearted but thoughtful and inspiring. This is one of my must-listen podcasts. Thank you very much, Nibs UK. Very nice of you to say. And uh, Carl, you've got one over there, haven't you? Yep, next one's from uh, Peter B9978. There you go. Sounds like a droid. Mm. <laughs> um, great show, five stars. Well, this show is really entertaining. It gives you a lot of information and facts to keep up the great work. Thank you very much, everybody. It, uh, it warms, the, uh, warms the cockles of our hearts to know that you actually enjoy this little show that we do. <sighs> right. We will return next week with uh, with a with a with a full panel hopefully i know i know mr <laughs> tone will return uh, hopefully we'll get alex back on too and perhaps one other person as well 
or maybe we'll just get Carl again. Who knows? See you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Perfect.